Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here to talk everything Badgers. And today we're going to switch it up a little bit. You know, normally we talk the ins and outs of every football game and basketball game, but with the year coming to an end and the decade coming to an end, we decided to, you know, we were brainstorming ideas for today's episode because we know it's Christmas Eve and Christmas and we want to do something fun. Um, so we came up with doing our all-decade football team. So we're going to go through and debate on some positions. Some of them might be easier than others. I had some trouble with certain positions, but uh, it should be fun, and I'm looking forward to doing this. So, Matt, how you doing? How did you think uh, this went? Uh, it was good. It was uh, interesting trying to come up with, with names. I tried to do it without actually looking back into, um, like, record books and stuff until after I had come up with my list. And then I was, I just tried to come up with guys off the top of my mind. Um, and then I went back to, to make sure that I wasn't crazy or anything like that. And uh, overall pretty good, but uh, I'm excited to, to talk about it and to see kind of where we align on that and where we kind of differ. Yeah, I agree. You know, was there any certain position that you found hardest to find or figure mm -hmm. out? Um, I, it was hard to try to figure out, uh, fullback. That was one that was, that was tough. Um, you know, the defensive line, I know we had texted about that, but the defensive line was, is, is a tougher one just because it, in, in the three, four, the defensive line isn't called upon to do nearly as much as maybe a four, three. Um, especially then when you also have that it, during the decade, there was the change from the four, three to the three, four, it just, it got kind of wonky with that uh what about you any positions that jump out yeah that one was probably the toughest for me was defensive line you know because we had specifically end and tackle and I was like oh man that's there, there's there's some names on there but there's not a lot of people that really jumped out to me um aside from that I, I agree with you on fullback I think there was there's just a lot of good good fullbacks that Wisconsin has had where it's hard to pick one and then um, secondary was a little bit harder until I started to look into it. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, those are the names that kind of stick out and, and everything like that. And then, I mean, there's other positions that have a lot of good guys where it was hard to pick just one. So I'll be interested to see kind of where we where we get to. But you want to start with uh, special teams? Does that work for you? That works for me. Okay, perfect, perfect. We will do, we'll start there um and we'll go through kicker and then we'll do defense and then we'll end with offense because that's probably what everybody's looking forward to hearing <laughs> the argument about so who did you have for your yeah. kicker we'll start with that um you know i think outside of uh you know a pretty poor senior year i thought gaglioni was kind of the guy uh for me i know philip welch was also pretty good at the early part of the decade but i thought gaglioni you know freshman through junior year he was just money uh able to hit the, those, you know, 40 plus yarders and everything within, you know, he had the back issues and that kind of derailed that senior year for him. But I thought for the most part, he was the guy for me. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, he, he, the other thing is he was there for <laughs> half the decade, it seemed like. So you can't really, I mean, kickers and punters, you kind of just go from one to the other. And if they're good, you're going to have them for three, four years, no doubt. You know, four years, uh, obviously, in college. So I went with Gagliano as well. I mean, he's. I think he was the all-time leader in, in field goals uh, for this decade. And 
Also, if we picked anyone other than that, Drew would be mad at us. So that one was an easy pick for, <laughs> pick for me. Um, a punter. Who did you have for your punter? Uh, it was that was a no doubt one. It was Brad Nortman for me. I, I think beyond just obviously he was the best punter of the bunch. Averaged over 40 yards a punt. Something that Wisconsin hasn't had in a while now. Since uh, you know he also had that fake against Iowa that was just a thing of beauty and was was so necessary for them to win that game in such a huge game that it was. Um, and I saw that live in person. That was just epic. But um, yeah, I'd say Nortman for sure. Yeah, that's I, that's who I had down too. I mean, there's been, I mean, again, it's kind of been, um, you know, I know he was towards the early part of the decades. We were still there. What, like 2010, 2011. And then it kind of seamlessly went from him to Drew Meyer and then right to Anthony Lottie. And so, you haven't had a lot of punters, but you know Norman's by far had, even though it was a brief part of of this decade, he's he's had a pretty solid career. So I agreed with you on that. Um, so that, those two pretty simple so far. What about uh, kick returner and punt returner? Anybody in particular? Did you have one for both, or did you separate it out? I separated it out uh, for kick returner. I actually, it was interesting. I was just this one. I actually went back and. At the time, I had just thought, hey, who was who was the guy that I thought that was the most dynamic in that role to, you know, in the past decade? And I actually went with Aaron Crickshank, which is, I know, um, possibly maybe different than what you came up with. But, you know, he had the kickoff return. I think the only other, I mean, David Gilreath is, isn't really going to be the guy for me in this situation just because I went with Crickshank. I, I think the way he kind of has done it now for two years, has done really good. Um, and going into the future, I just think for from a dynamic perspective, he's the guy uh, from my vote for a kickoff return. Who'd you go with? I I had two written down. I think overall I put Jared Aberderis. I just looked back and he had, you know, like 1,300 career retar- you know, returns between punt returns and kick returns. So I think stats-wise he, he kind of stood out to me. But the other name I wrote down that I kind of forgot because he was there around the same time as Aberderis, was Kenzel Doe. I forgot how often and how involved he was in the kick return game. So I had both of those guys down. I think Aberderis, if you're if you're building a team, you said, who do you want to be your kick returner? He'd probably be the guy when you think back to it. And so I had him down for both. Um, but I didn't have, I didn't really come up with much for punt return. I had Aberderis down for that, but I was looking at his numbers and he wasn't, you know, and, and maybe that speaks to more Wisconsin not really have a dominating uh, punt returner, but I also wrote down Alex Erickson um, for that one simply because he he was kind of a guy that kind of gets lost lost in the shuffle. But he had a really good you know couple of years at Wisconsin, and and maybe and obviously he's doing it at the next level with Cincinnati in the punt return game, the kick return game. So I had Aberderis for kick return, and then um, uh, Alex Erickson for punt return. What did you have? I had uh, Aberderis for punt return. I just yeah. remember. Any big situation, they'd put him back there. He was sure-handed uh, when he was catching the ball. He never made any mistakes with that. I always thought he did a really nice job of judging the ball and not letting things fly over his head, um, something I think sometimes Alex Erickson struggled with while he was at UW. Obviously, he's flourishing now in the NFL with it. But I would go with Abby. I thought he was just dynamic back there. I mean, the stats won't bear it that it was anything crazy. Um, but at the same time, I think he was – he was the best punt returner of the decade in my eyes. Yeah, and like yeah, and like I said, you know, the stats, Wisconsin doesn't hasn't had a, a ton of, 
you know, punt return and kick re- uh, kick return's been okay, but punt return they're really, especially the last few years, they've obviously got nothing out of that. So that knocks out you know three four years of the decade, and then it's kind of some of these special teams positions are are by default if you had one good guy, you know, that, that was solid at it. He he was the guy. So I, I think Aberderis overall, if you had one specialist, for sure would be him. And you just think back to how dynamic he was, and anytime you obviously try to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. So uh, Gaglianone, you know, Brad Nortman. Aberderis, you know, pretty solid specialist guys. So no real surprises for me, you know, on that regard. And I think that's kind of what we were on the same page that way. Um, what about, let's get into the defense. Defense, I think, you know, there was obviously linebacker is maybe a contentious position because Wisconsin's had a lot of good ones. Uh, but defensive end and defensive tackle were, were a little bit harder for me in some regards. But what did you have for uh, your defensive ends? And you can just do your defensive tackles as well. Okay, I had uh, along the defensive line, I had Alec James, um, and then I it was really hard at uh, nose tackle between Olive and Bo Allen. Bo Allen, obviously uh, a four-three defensive tackle, um, transitioned into that uh, nose guard position. Um, but I went with Olive at nose tackle just just because of the way uh, he was kind of just always there during those four seasons. Had a great uh, senior year as well. That was obviously cut short by injury, but he was kind of a leader. Um, and then uh, I also put J.J. Watt. I just I think when you look at the defensive line, there hasn't been a lot of dynamic playmakers that have made a huge dent. J.J. Watt not only um, had such an amazing season with like 21 tackles for loss and seven sacks, but he also kind of put the Wisconsin defense on the map. That team had a lot of really um, – Good star power on the offense, but not as much on the defense. He was the clear-cut leader on the defense. Had had two really good seasons. Granted, one of them was back in 2009, but 2010, he he just just burst onto the scene. Obviously, was a first-round pick. And then Alec James, the dude was Mr. Consistency. He he started for three straight seasons. Had had 11 sacks in those three seasons. I thought that he was great and really played super well uh, as a senior where he had 52 tackles as well. So those would be my three, uh, James, Olive, Sangapalu, and J.J. Watt. Yep. You know, I'm kind of on the same same boat as you. I had Sangapalu down and J.J. Watt down. Um, I think, you know, I know this is, this is kind of the part that we've been struggling. You know, we were talking about, I'm working on a post of the top 10 players of the decade, and we were talking about guys that had those big one seasons, but they're only there for one year. And I think obviously J.J. Watt, is is a name synonymous with Wisconsin football. And when you think of Wisconsin football over the last decade, he's one of the first names that pops into your mind. So I know it was he had one year in 2009, but I think he still has to be on that team. And just given the other options, the defensive end, and on this defensive line, there's not a ton of huge names. And then I put Segapolu down as well, simply because, you know, you talked about his senior season already, but he was he was consistent and he was anchor in that middle. And he was, you know, the, you know, the nose tackle in that, you know, one of the best, Wisconsin football teams of all time you know that undefeated regular season I know it didn't end you know how it wanted in the Big Ten championship but they they were a really good team and I think it's so recent in our mind that maybe we don't think of guys like that as much but uh, he was a solid solid player on that defensive line Um, so I think the Alec James was a good pick I I was looking for you know someone like that I, I guess I didn't come across his name but now that I think about it you know he was Mr. Consistent and in there for years um, so I liked all those picks. I think the biggest trouble I had was figuring out, you know, if we, we, we said we'll do this based on a 3-4 defense and, and a linebacker, but really just coming up with 
only four linebackers was pretty tough. So, I mean, Wisconsin obviously has had a, a good track record these last this last decade of some really talented guys. So, who did you kind of have as your linebackers uh, for this all-decade team? Are you doing inside first or outside first? So I just wrote down four. I was like, you know what? These guys, you could probably interchange them, but we can do – let me know who you had for uh, outside first. Okay. I had um, – for the outside, it was actually um, really hard for me to, to, to do because I was trying to grapple between Joe Schobert and TJ Watt uh, mm-hmm. a lot. Um, you know, I, I felt like TJ had – the more impactful season in a lot of ways, just because of kind of how he burst on the scene. He was JJ's little brother. You know, he was first team all American um, by some accounts, second team by um, others, first team big 10. Um, but, but I think I actually went with uh, Schobert just simply because between those two, he, he was also a first team all American um, second team all American by some accounts. Uh, he was also the, team MVP for the Badgers in 2015 and was a Bednarik semifinalist. So I, I went with him. I thought he had just an amazing um, career. He had the two years where he actually made a dent compared to with 28 starts compared to um, TJ really just had one season, which obviously made a big dent, but I thought Joe Schobert was between the two um, more impactful over the the course of the decade. Um, And then on the inside, I went with uh, Chris Borland and TJ Edwards. I thought Edwards just, like you said, super consistent, making plays um, all across the field, was was always there um, for the Badgers, came in pretty unheralded, was was a uh, All-American both uh, his junior and senior seasons, which is just phenomenal, um, had a great, great uh, career. Chris Borland, I mean, he was just so much fun to watch. He just flew around. He was the player of the or the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten when he was there. Um, so I would say those two on the inside, and then I said Schobert on the outside. I actually um, wouldn't have said this going into this season, but um, Zach Vaughn, I put him on on there. He had, if you just look at the sheer statistics between Vaughn, Schobert, and Watt, his are like fly both of them. Um, out of the water just in terms of his his sacks and obviously he he's really only played two seasons um, fully healthy Um, last year I wouldn't even say he was necessarily fully healthy but you know he had 12 and a half sacks this year and and just the sheer tackles for loss and the disruption that he had with three force fumbles uh, or uh, two force fumbles an interception for a touchdown I mean I I think he had to be on this list just because of what he did this year. Yep. I, uh, it's funny because I, I thought linebacker would be a hard one for us, but I kind of had the same four written down. I had Edwards and Borland on the inside. Obviously, that's, that's, I think that, I think those are two easy picks when you just look at their numbers and the num- amount of tackles and the stats. Um, I think those two are, are far and away the best two inside linebackers you know, Wisconsin's had in the last 10 years. And that's, Hard for me to say because I'm a huge Ryan Connolly fan and he was, you know, that honorable mention type guy. But Borland and TJ Edwards, the careers that they had for three and four years were were hard to beat. And so I had that I had those two down. Uh, then on the other on one of the outsides, I had Joe Schobert as well. I mean, he was just a guy that just he made the play and he made a lot of big plays and he, he got after the quarterback so well that 
it's hard to not have him on there. And then I agreed with you. I, I have TJ Watt written down in a question mark because he, as dominating as he was in that one season, it really only was one season, and then he hopped to the NFL. Um, so you've got Zach Vaughn. I had written down simply because of that fact. You know, over the last decade, the the leader in single season sacks is, is Zach Vaughn with this year at 12 and a half. So I know it's so recent that maybe. Uh, you know, fans would disagree with it, but Zach Vaughn had a, an, an incredible 2019 season, and I think we'll look back and and think of him as more of you know Wisconsin football lore and and legend type status, uh, you know, down the road a few years. But I think right now he's just so recent that it it maybe doesn't stick out to people's minds. Yeah, and I mean another guy that I think just doesn't quite get the recognition that he deserves um, is Mike Taylor. I remember yeah. coming in, you know, I went to UW, came in uh, and played football uh, at camps against him and seven on seven and stuff. And he was, he was a beast. He was super good uh, and had a great career, obviously played in those three seasons, uh, had to deal with a lot of injuries and just kind of pushed through, had over 150 tackles one year, which is just absurd. Um, so, I mean, he's a guy that I definitely thought about as well. He just didn't necessarily have the, the splash plays that the other guys uh, we're able to kind of create at times, you know, TJ Edwards with some of the interceptions, Chris Borland would do just about anything. Uh, he was like a bull in a China shop, just creating havoc. So, um, but Mike Taylor was definitely a guy who was up there as well for me. Yeah. I remember that name. And then I was looking through some of the stats and I was like, man, I completely forgot how good the season he had. Uh, one of those years he actually, you know, I think he had more tackles than Borland one season by a, a good amount. And it was just like, he was just like, you know, a lunch pail type guy just showed up, did his job, you know, racked up 10 tackles and, and went home. You know, like, like you said, he never made the big play, so to speak, but he made some important plays and, and just came in and did his job. And you need guys like that, you know, to, to really form a solid team, a solid linebacking core. And he was a name that I, I had kind of completely forgot about until I started looking through and looking at career stats and, and tackles. I was like, wow, he had a lot better you know career than I remember. So the other one I wrote down was Vince Beagle. Um, he had a he had a solid career. Kind of got overshadowed, you know, by the T.J. Watts and the Joe Schoberts and and that group. But he he put together a pretty solid career for Wisconsin that um, I think people kind of not necessarily forget about. But you just think of all the good linebackers that Wisconsin has had over the last ten years, and and the guys that really stick out are the guys that we've already mentioned. Uh, but Vince Beagle put de- put together a good career too over this last you know decade, so I had to I had to throw his name in there as well. Let's work into the secondary a little bit. This one was another one that I had a little trouble with, which was cornerback. Um, I think there was a couple names that really stuck out, um, but I, I had some trouble coming up with two that really separated themselves from each other. So who did you have down for your cornerback positions? Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with Sojourn Shelton and Antonio Finellis. Uh Those were kind of the guys that jumped out to me and that I remembered. Uh, I know Darius Hillary was also a guy that you could put into that mix, but Sojourn just, they had such a need at cornerback when he came in as a true freshman and he was like 130 pounds, it seemed like, out there. But he just went out and, you know, he had four interceptions as a freshman played played in every game he started every game of his Wisconsin career I think he's had like 54 starts or something crazy um you know he had nine interceptions in those seasons I thought he was just kind of a you know 
a big win that they, when they beat Florida State for his commitment and or decommitted from Florida State, went to Wisconsin, and he started right away. And he was just un, always undersized, but, man, he always had a chip on his shoulder, and he was fun to watch. And then uh, Finellis was a guy that, uh, you know, I thought he was really underrated at times. You know, I mean, he's he had his own struggles at times as well, also undersized at, like, five foot nine. Um, really only played two seasons, um, but he also had eight interceptions between those two seasons and was a top cornerback, went ahead and was really one of the top guys on that entire defense. And I think that he was somebody that is oftentimes forgotten. Now he's into coaching, but he, he was a guy that I thought was really good on that 2011, 2011 team as well as the 2010 team and made a big difference. Uh, yeah, I like the, yeah, yeah, I like the uh, Soldier and Shelton pick. That was the one I had down as obvious. You know, he was, you know, he maybe he, he made a lot of plays. He had a lot of interceptions, but really the consistently of his career to to throw him out there as a you know freshman that way when, like you said, Wisconsin really needed a cornerback, and he was as solid as you could get. You know, at one of those positions for you know the last few years, um, he was. Uh, just a, a guy that came in and, and did his job and, and played his role really well. And sometimes you really need guys like that. So I, I had him as kind of the obvious choice for one corner. Uh, and then the other one was, was tough. I kind of, that's a, Antonio Pinellas was a, t- a name that I did not expect to hear, but now that I think about it, he was a pretty solid you know corner for the Badgers. Um, I had, I also wrote down, I know he only really had one season, uh, but Nick Nelson, his one season was was pretty solid in his uh, you know in his time, and he was another one that was pretty good in the special teams regard. Where if he was a guy you know a player that you wanted on your team was was going to be you know a do all guy, he would do it uh, in terms of kick returns and punt returns. Um, so that was where I kind of leaned for my second one. I also wrote down uh, Marcus Camardi. He was yeah, obviously only played really in 2011 and 2012. Uh, but he had some. He had a good tackle output in those couple of years. I think he had over 100 career tackles, and most of them came in those two years. So overall, there's a lot of names that you could throw out for the. I think the other cornerback position, but no one. I I think outside of Soldier and Shelton really stood out to me. Is that kind of what you thought too? Yeah, I, th- I was kind of going between Finellis and the other guy that was Derek Tyndall. I thought he had a, a solid career as well. Just he, you know, he played. I think it was three seasons. He was a starter, really, really kind of came on later in his career um, and made some nice plays. You know, Nick Nelson, because of that, just that one season, uh, I wasn't going to give it to him. Um, you know, I just I just imagine if he would have came back, it, how nasty that defense would have been the next season. Um, but, yeah, I would I would say I was I was between and there was a lot of decent cornerbacks. Nobody it's nobody's Jamar Fletcher in this group. Right. Uh, though, or anybody that's going to really just jump out off the page. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I totally agree. I think that was kind of my, my issue was that there was, there was a lot of names that you could, you could make an argument for, but Wisconsin really hasn't had a dominating cornerback uh, over these last 10 years. And obviously you think of the Jamar Fletchers and obviously Jim Leonard at the safety position as like the, you know, the the, the lower guys, the, the fame infamous guys in the secondary, but you know, these last 10 years, they haven't really had anyone that has dominated at that position and I think there's some guys now that you know in the next decade when we will think back of of some of these guys that are on the team now and coming in and you know like a Fayon Hicks and guys like that but 
right now it's just uh you know you look at back at the last decade there were there weren't a lot of standouts there was solid production but there was nobody that was you know hugely you know great in that position uh working into the other secondary positions what did you have down who'd you have down for safety because this was one that at first i was kind of thinking back as like oh maybe these maybe there's these guys maybe there's these guys and then a few names kind of really jumped out to me so who did you have at the safety position um, yeah, I was kind of between three guys. I went with Mike Caputo and Dakota Dixon. I also had Aaron Henry down. Um, you know, I think, I think for one, just Caputo, just, you know, he was just a wrecking ball from that strong safety position. You know, he was basically a pseudo extra linebacker, uh, in space, just crazy amount of tacklers tackles. He had over a hundred one year had, and was a three-year starter. So I, I went with him just because you know, if you're starting for a, a, almost a third of the decade and, you know, he forced a lot of fumbles and got a lot of fumble recoveries, uh, I, I went with him. And then Dakota Dixon, I mean, obviously dealt with a lot of uh, injury issues, but at the same time, he was also um, so vital on the field as a leader and off the field in terms of, you know, he won the Collegiate Man of the Year award and, and won a lot of different um, awards, was also on the team for five years. Um, starting, starting four of them, um, you know, especially those 2015 through 2017, where he was, um, so good, you know, I, I just, I had to go with him as well. Um, mostly because of kind of, he had some interceptions, some tackles for loss, some sacks, he was, you know, forcing fumbles. So Aaron Henry was another guy that I think Aaron Henry is another very overlooked player just because the, the 2011, teams and doesn't get nearly as much love on the defense as you know the talent that they had but he was a player who made some nice plays for the badgers and flipped some script there yeah yeah i liked all those picks i think michael caputo was was an obvious choice for for both of us he was you know tremendous in in the the role he played as that kind of hybrid player at both safety and linebacker, and he just seemed to make every single play when you needed it. You know, he'd get in the backfield and make tackles in the running game. So that one for me was was a, a really good pick. I also had Dakota Dixon down for one of them. Um, I think his his leadership is something that um, doesn't give him, get enough credit. Obviously, the last couple of years, everyone's kind of heard his story, uh, but he was a really solid player on the field and off the field, and I think that has to be kind of considered a little bit. Uh, but the other name I had written down, which I completely forgot about, um, was was Desmond Southward. He played in a lot of games at Wisconsin. Now I'm thinking back to those years, and I remember getting frustrated with a lot of <laughs> a lot of plays involving him. But when you look back at just his career, you know, played in 55 career games and was honorable Big Ten in in 2012 and 2013, which I would have never guessed. Uh, I know he was a pretty high draft pick by the Falcons, um, so. I had to work that name in there simply because it was one that I kind of forgot about, but he, he had a pretty solid career when you look back on it. Yeah, no, yeah. And I mean, his his physical measurables were off the charts and he could make some splash plays with that you didn't necessarily see oftentimes out of a Wisconsin secondary player. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of really talented players in the secondary as well as um you know both the cornerback and safety position to choose from i think the cornerback position was was really um highly contested just because there was a bunch of guys uh to choose from yeah i i i found the secondary to be you know a lot of the, like you said a lot of the same where you, know, you had names that you could go with but 
uh, and names that jumped out of you, but nobody that really kind of separated themselves other than I think Michael Caputo was, was an obvious choice for both of us. Um, so that wraps up the defense guys. We're going to get into the offense, which I think will be a, a little you know harder for us to finagle and figure out. But first we're going to go ahead and kick it over to a couple quick ads. All right, guys, welcome back to Bucky's fifth podcast. We are going through our all decade team. Uh, we just completed the defense, which we, you know, throwing out a lot of nostalgic names, which is a lot of fun. But now we're going to work into the offense. And obviously, Wisconsin, when you think of their offense, has had a lot of dominating players. So this one might be a little tougher for us. But uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun just simply given that these are maybe more of the summer of the more recognizable names, uh, you know, of the, of the past 10 years when Wisconsin was really clicking on all cylinders and, and going to Rose Bowls and, and winning a lot of football games. So these names will be a lot of fun to uh, throw out. Uh, so, Matt, I think the the hardest position was obviously running back, which we'll do later on. Uh, but the other one was offensive line because, A, you have to work in five guys. And in obviously a lot of these guys you know, may have played multiple positions over their career, moved around. But who did you have as maybe you, – you can just rattle off your five offensive linemen if you've got um, them or, or if you have a specific position by position, you can do that too, whatever you think. But go ahead and rattle off uh, those five guys. Yeah, I went position by position, left through right tackle. Um, wow. You know, at left tackle, I went with Rick Wagner. I mean, I know he was Ricky back in the day, and then he switched it to Rick uh, when things started getting more serious for him. But he was, you know, a guy who just consummate pro, you know, obviously one of the highest paid tackles now in the league, um, you know, bouncing around and staying around in the NFL for a long time. Um, Michael Dieter, I had at left guard. Uh, I thought, you know, obviously four-year starter, just amazing player stuck around was kind of just the gel guy along that offensive line for the latter part of the two thousands, Travis Frederick, one of the smartest guys I've, I've ever met, you know, I, he, he, I, I remember him in class answering questions and just being like, yep, this is smart. Um, Kevin Zeitler also super good. I mean, I really leaned on that early part of the 2000s just because I think that that offensive line will uh, never be matched in terms of what could be unless, you know, some of these guys that are coming in really pan out. But uh, and then I have Rob Havenstein at right tackle, another guy who was just there, you know, at all times. He was just an absolute mountain at like six eight six nine, you know, pushing four bills at times. So I think that offensive line, I mean, if you're going to do fantasy offensive line, that's probably it. And uh, those guys were just graders in the run game. I, I think, you know, if any time you can have, in that case, five guys who are now in the league all playing, it's, it's pretty impressive for what Wisconsin had along the offensive line. I think Bo Benchwall was a guy who – was a really good run blocker. Uh, I couldn't necessarily put him in over Zeitler or Dieter though, in, in my mind. And then Ramchek only playing one season. It was hard for me to, to throw him in there as well. Who did yeah. you have? Yeah, I, I kind of did the same thing with left to right. And I had Ramchek written down, but I had Wagner, you know, kind of one, two, I, I really couldn't have, you know, decided between those two. Uh, but obviously, NFL career both of them have had successful ones so far and Ramchek's still getting into his uh, but in, in terms of Badgers he was I, I had to give you know some credit to both the old lineman and the new because Wisconsin's had some really good lines um, I had Benchwall down I was kicking back and forth between him and Dieter too uh, both of them I, I think they could be interchangeable and you can make an argument for either of them uh, and then 
I was chalk with you on the other three, Frederick, Seatler, and Havenstein. I don't really know how you could how you could not have those three worked into a conversation of not only of the past, you know, the past decade, but you know, in in the all-time history of of Wisconsin linemen, those three are are really solid players. Um, you know, multiple-year guys that just dominated. You know, that those offensive lines were were scary when they got moving at you. Um, so those three, I think, were pretty pretty obvious choices for the offensive line, and and I think we'll you know, and the will be guys that are worked into uh, the even the top ten players overall of this decade. Um, but the other two, I think, were were a little bit are, you know harder for me to to finalize on one guy. But the three are really really legends in Wisconsin football history. Yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine having Frederick Zeitler and Havenstein running on the right side of an offensive line uh, in high school or in college right now. I mean, you'd just be able to run right every damn time and, and run for a thousand yards in a game. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm looking through, you know, when I was going through, I was like, man, if Wisconsin could actually combine, you know, their teams, the, the offensive line and the, and the running backs coming behind them would be incredibly scary. Um, but yeah, I think overall our offensive line is the same five to seven players. Uh, just kind of moved around in that regard. But uh, I'm glad we were kind of on the same wavelength, at least with the the three of them. The other one that obviously was I maybe not as tough as I originally thought, but there were a couple names uh, that was, you know, that could be worked in was tight end. Uh, obviously, Wisconsin uses tight ends probably, you know, more so than a lot of schools. And Wisconsin's had a lot of good receiving tight ends over these last 10 years. So who did you have down as your tight end for the all-decade team? You know, I mean, Lance Kendricks only had one season, you know, in 2010 uh, as part of the decade. So I, I wasn't going to go with him, although I just remember fondly him as an H-back and kind of what he could do um, for the Badgers. But I actually went with um, Jacob Pedersen. I, I mean, he's another guy who played played four years uh, within the decade, making um, tremendous strides. I, I think that season he had where he had eight touchdowns with Russell Wilson was really impressive. We had like 350 yards. I mean, he had 350 yards plus three straight seasons. I, I thought, I know a lot of people kind of wished he would have done more going on as his career, you know, he kind of plateaued in the middle and then had a better senior year, but I uh, overall just really solid tight end um, was a nice target security blanket for um, some quarterbacks that uh, after Russell Wilson weren't uh, necessarily spectacular uh, and, you know, I think he's just a guy who, um, when I think of a Wisconsin tight end within this decade, he's the guy that kind of pops out to me the most. Um, you know, I, we'll see what um, Barry's grandson here can can turn into, but I think Jacob Pedersen is the uh, the guy for me. Yep, I agree with you. I mean, I just it's hard to it's hard to overlook what he did. You know, 17 career uh, touchdown receptions, which is you know way more than than any other Wisconsin tight end, and just a, like you said, a security blanket, a, a safety guy in the four, you know, a, a team that, you know, sometimes didn't have uh, the the best quarterback play. He was he was old, reliable in a way. And it was a name that uh, when I first thought about it, obviously, I think you think of I first thought of Troy Fumagalli. And then I kind of started to go back through some of these rosters of these early 2000, you know, the early two, 2010 teams, you know. 2011, 2012, and, and Jacob Pedersen was a huge part of that. So I, I think it's hard to overlook him. And I think maybe, uh, you know, Troy Fumagalle name-wise and recognition-wise is probably, you know, one that stands out a little bit more. 
just simply because he was more recent and he had a really solid career at Wisconsin too. Uh, but Pedersen was was really the definition of a Wisconsin tight end in a lot of ways. So um, I was I was wondering if we would you know kind of be in agreement with that. But it's he's just a solid player that that you don't maybe don't think of off the top of your head, but when you look at his numbers and you think of back to the games that he had, he was a part of some pretty big, you know, Wisconsin football teams. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you look at it, he had eight touchdowns in one season. Whereas if you look at Fumagalli, he had seven touchdowns in his entire career. So I think Troy Fumagalli obviously kind of took over for him in a lot of ways um, after and kind of did some nice things in terms of yardage, had some amazing catches, you know, that, that one-handed diving catch that he had in the Cotton Bowl was just a thing of beauty. But overall, I think that if you just look at the body of work, I think that Pedersen is, is, uh, was the, the better player for Wisconsin in a lot of ways. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, would, I had both of those down, but I highlighted Pedersen as, as my guy for that. Uh, you know, going outside of the tight end, obviously wide receiver is another position that Wisconsin maybe – Obviously, this year's group is pretty deep, but a lot of years they maybe had one guy, one or two decent guys, but not you know any dominating players outside of I think one obvious choice. Um, so we we said we'd pick two. So who did you have for your wide receiver position? I think I think it's silly if Jared Aberderis isn't on both of our lists. I mean he yep. he was he was an absolute dude. Uh, you know I think he was sometimes overlooked just because of the running back tradition and the, the stable of running backs that he was running with. Um, but he, he was the guy, you know, his senior year, he had 78 receptions, which is just unheard of in Wisconsin football and over a thousand yards, last guy to get over a thousand yards in, in some time, you know, he, he was, he was just so good. You know, I, I think it's, it's fitting. We're talking about him with the Oregon game coming up here. That's probably the one, you know, glaring spot on his resume, but man, oh man, he w- he was talented. He was he was fun to watch, and to see a guy come in as a walk on and just flourish like he did from within the state, and and just be so talented. And I, I think Jared Aberderis is you know one of the guys that is probably definitely going to be in your top ten when you drop that later on this week. I would assume. Oh yeah, absolutely. He was the I think the obvious choice for one of the wide receiver positions. You know, 3,000 career receiving yards, 23 touchdowns. But, you know, you can you can think back. You don't even need to look at the stats. You can think back to just the years that he was there. He was so vital to the, all the Wisconsin teams that he was a part of, 2010 to 2013. You know, just a fan favorite. Everybody loved him. Then he obviously went on to, you know, to begin his career with the Green Bay Packers. So uh, when you think of Wisconsin wide receivers over the past decade, Jared Aberderis is the obvious number one name that, that pops into my mind. And you're correct. He will be in that top 10 list uh, that I'll, that will be coming out later. And I think for every Wisconsin fan, that one's a pretty obvious one, just given what he gave to Wisconsin football. But after that, I had a little bit harder time. You know, obviously Aberderis was the easy one, but who was your number two wide receiver? Cause that one there, there's a lot, again, a lot of good names you could throw out, but, Nobody that I think was a slam dunk easy choice like Aberderis. Yeah, I I, I kind of grappled with three guys. Um, you know, I I went with I think I ended up going with Alex Erickson just because of his uh, output over two seasons. Kind of once again another guy who kind of took the torch from Aberderis in a lot of ways and and just had a great couple great seasons. Had over 700 yards in 2014 and almost a thousand yards in 2015. 
also did some damage in on the ground and punt returns. He he was just the guy that he would get open and he would catch the ball. Like he 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 was such an amazing route runner, getting in and out of breaks. Um, you know, and and once again, another a guy who didn't have like exceptional quarterback play around him, and he still just kind of ate up chunk yards and, and made big plays. I, I think it's telling just by looking how talented he is in the NFL right now and the the impact he's having in special teams and in, as as a slot receiver uh, for the Bengals is is telling for just how talented he was. He was he was a first team um, all Big Ten guy. Um, you know, so I, I went with him uh, as as my second one. Who did you end up going with? Yeah, that's who I had too. Obviously, I mean, yards wise, he he had a great career. Touch, he didn't score a lot of touchdowns uh, in the you know receiving game. I think he only had like five or six from what I saw. Uh, but I went through and just looked at like you know the all time leading receivers for Wisconsin football history, and he's the only guy from this decade other than you know Jared Aberderis that's in the list. The other you could make an argument. For Nick Toon in those 20, you know, 2010, 2011 seasons, but that's that's kind of a toss-up in, in in that regard. And then the other guys are all pre this decade in, in that top 10. And Erickson is in there at number 10. And I think he was, like you said, a, a special player and, and a weapon that really stepped up when when Wisconsin needed a receiver to step up. Um, I've I've always thought he was tremendously talented. He's actually from my area, and we went to the, we went to high school in the same conference and. He was he was a quarterback when when I was in high school and we played them and we had you know, we couldn't get a hand on Alex Erickson uh, when he was running around he, it was it was basically a wildcat type quarterback thing but he would just take the ball and go and you knew he was going to be good at the next level uh, when he got worked in there and and he did that and so I had to go with him too you know both both Aberderis and Erickson were kind of the similar players and and followed one after another but they they kind of dominated the receiver position for for this entire decade. Yeah, and I mean Nick Toon was another guy that I definitely thought of. You know, I remember at Wisconsin football camp throwing with him, and he's he was exceptionally talented. You know, a good good catch radius, able to create separation. Um, you know, obviously 2010 2011 pretty solid seasons. Had those 10 touchdowns in 2011. And in all honesty, if if you're looking at also impact on the decade. Quintez Cephas is a guy that, you know, is right up there as well. When you look at his output over his three years, you know, he had didn't do as much as a freshman, but in 2017, 500 yards and in 2019, 800 some yards. And he's got 12 touchdowns total. And then you also look at it like the off the field stuff really, you know, hampered the team in a lot of ways in 2018. So for sheer impact purposes, he's he's definitely a one of the top players uh, for the decade as well. But, but yeah, I think it came down for me. It was between Toon and, um, and Erickson. I think just because of the fact that Toon was doing it when you had Russell Wilson, you had Jared Aberderis on the field. Um, I went with Erickson because it was, he was kind of a lone wolf there making a lot of plays. Yeah. Yeah. I think those two were, you know, there was two or three, maybe four guys that you could work into, but those two just kind of, stood out as as being solid players for for more than half the decade all right but i will one thing i'll add is is that if cephas goes out and has a huge rose bowl i would probably jump him over erickson yeah yeah i would agree with that i mean you look at the you wouldn't think of it off the top of your head but like you said when you go back and look at obviously the numbers and the all-time leading receivers let's see quintus cephas is at 17 so more career you know that's just in terms of yards but 
you know, more career yards than, and then Jacob Pedersen. And obviously you think of Pedersen and, you know, he's been down there around there for, you know, longer, uh, but Sevis has had a really solid career when he's been on the field. So I, I, I think you're right in that. I would probably work him into that. And maybe that's a testament to Wisconsin, not having a ton of success at receiver, but it's also a testament to how good Quintus Sevis has been when he's been on the field. Um, the next position that I have was, was another one that was challenging for me. And, a lot of fan bases still don't even think of the fullback, but you and I and Wisconsin football fans obviously still have a ton of tremendous amount of respect for the fullback position and the grit that those guys bring. But obviously Wisconsin's had a lot of good ones. So who did you finalize on for your fullback? Uh, you know, I thought like we had talked about, this was a tough one. Uh, I actually went with uh, Alec Ingold, another guy. He He wasn't even the primary starter at all times throughout his career, but at the same time, 21 touchdowns is just absurd, uh, you know, for, for a career, for a fullback, um, you know, also stepping in and playing running back as a freshman when they needed him to, to do so, you know, he came in as a linebacker and was doing that. So I think, uh, you know, he was there kind of played in every game from 2015 through 2018. And, and I thought he just played really exceptionally well um, and was a guy that was, was counted on when they needed the short yardage and when they also a good blocker. So I went with Alec Ingold. Yeah, that's what I had too. I wrote down Brady Ewing as well, but when you looked at the numbers of Ingold, you know, obviously he split time a little bit with, you know, the other guys and, and kind of was, was always you know, the secondary option early in his career, but just the numbers and, and the way he impacted the running game, the way you were able to hand the ball to him, a lot of fullbacks in Wisconsin's, you know, career didn't get a lot of touches. Ingold did, and I, I think, you know, when you look at it, and you know, from an overall perspective, he was the guy. And I, I think there's a lot of good names, but there was also a period in time in this decade with Gary Anderson where Wisconsin didn't use the fullback as much as they do, obviously now with Paul Christ and before with Barry Alvarez and uh, Brett Bielema. So I, I had to go with Alec Ingold too, and I think obviously you're seeing how talented he is with with the Oakland Raiders now and, and having a tremendous career. So that was one that I wasn't sure if we'd be on the same wavelength with, but Alec Ingold's, I think, overall the most solid choice. Yeah, and I mean, Derek Watt was a, was an exceptional blocker. He just didn't really do a whole lot in terms of scaring the opponents through the run game or the pass game. You know, he, he only had one touchdown for his entire career um, at Wisconsin and had 300 yards receiving, but – I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, great blocker, but I, I went with Ingold because, I mean, 21 touchdowns, that's a that's a lot of points that he put up on the board for the Wisconsin offense. Yeah, I totally agree with you. All right, this was another one that might be a little – I don't I don't know if it would be contentious in any way, but the quarterback position. Obviously, <laughs> this last decade has not been necessarily the best decade in terms of Wisconsin football quarterback play. Uh, I think there's one obvious name, uh, but maybe he was not around for too long. So some people argue in that regard. But who did you have uh, heading up your all-decade quarterback? Oh, Russell Wilson, book it, <laughs> sign the check, whatever. I mean, it's there's nobody else that I would even uh, fathom putting in this spot. I, I know um, Scott Tolzien was was definitely solid, good quarterback. Um, you know, I think his numbers. Uh, kind of mirrored what Jack Cohn's kind of doing and the trajectory that he's on potentially, but, but man, oh man, I mean, Russell Wilson was just different over 3000 yards, 70 plus 
passing and then 33 touchdowns, four interceptions. It's, it's unheard of. We've seen what he's gone on to do in the NFL. I, I don't see another time where Wisconsin's going to have uh, a better quarterback uh, on the roster. I mean, I, I was thinking about putting Graham Mertz in this conversation as the, uh, the best of the decade, but you know, I guess he's, he's 90% passing at nine for 10, but um, we'll, uh, I'll give this to Russell Wilson in a, in a landslide on my book. Yeah. I don't think you can make an argument for anybody else. Just given the, I know it was only one season and that's the argument against Russell Wilson, but his one season was more impactful than the, the multiple seasons of, you know, a Joel Stave or, or Alex Hornibrook or anybody like that. So I know he didn't play in a lot of this decade, but his, when he was on the field, he was by far and away the most talented quarterback Wisconsin has seen since obviously, you know, Daryl Bevel and, and Brooks Bollinger, those guys. I mean, I know it was one season, and and but you really can't make an argument for anybody else to keep it close despite just that one season. So Russell, by far, and if you were starting a team of just all-time Wisconsin football team, didn't matter anything on on paper, you would pick Russell Wilson as your pick for the quarterback. So I think it it makes it pretty easy in that regard. All right, obviously the position that might be the more difficult one. Uh, other than quarterback is the running back position because Wisconsin is running back university had a lot of great running backs and a lot of great seasons over the last decade. And we said that we would go with two. We kind of said, we set it up like a fantasy football team. You have two running backs on your fantasy team. Um, so we said we'd go with two for these. And obviously there's, there's three big names and then some other guys, but Matt, who did you have for your two running backs in this all decade team? I'm guessing we'll probably have the same two uh, if, if, unless something crazy happens, but I went with Jonathan Taylor and Melvin Gordon. I think uh, what Jonathan Taylor has done is, is crazy over 6,000 yards in three seasons, 50 freaking touchdowns. I mean, and then you also put in the fact that this year he's, he's kind of upped his game to, to be a receiving threat, five touchdowns through that. So 55 touchdowns. And, you know, taking home the the um, running back award two, two years in a row. I mean, Wisconsin's won the Doak Walker just a crazy amount of times over this past decade. And I mean, I, but at, at the same time, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, the stats speak for themselves. He's just been the model of consistency. 300 yards or 300 attempts, about 2000 yards and, you know, 15 to 20 touchdowns. I mean, that's that's just super impressive. And then. I think Melvin Gordon, uh, in terms of sheer um, breathtaking ability, just watching what he did on the field, was the most uh, exciting and impactful player on uh, that I've seen. You know that his senior, or I mean junior year, really his junior year, where he put up 2,500 yards was was just nutty. I mean, I remember watching that and think, you know, you watch that 408 game and. He was just shot out of a cannon every time he got the ball. He was at Mach 3 before everybody else was was just trying to get out of their stance. So I would say Melvin Gordon was was the other guy for me. Yeah, I agree with you with Jonathan Taylor for sure. I mean, I, I know he's ha- he's just had three incredible seasons. Unfortunately, never got an invite to New York, but he, he very much should have you know been there one of these seasons. And he'll he'll we'll look back at him. You know, in terms of yards, he's he's been the most dominant outside of Ron Dane, and we you know we look at how dominating we look at Ron Dane in that regard. Uh, so JT for me it, it is an obvious one. The second one, 
I had a little bit of trouble with because I agree with you with, you know, originally I thought it was a slam dunk, Melvin Gordon and JT, but then I thought about Monte Ball and I know he was, when you look at his numbers and you, you obviously he started in 2009. So you take away that 2009 season, he still had, I think 75 career touchdowns, which is, which is 20 more than what JT had. So for me, I, I kind of kicked it back and forth. I was like, you know, Gordon was by far and away, I think, the most talented, you know, in terms of the guys around him where nobody could, you know, handle him. But Monte Ball's production in those three seasons in the early 2010s was hard for me to overlook. I mean, 83 career touchdowns is, you know, 12 more than Ron Dane. So for me, it's hard to, it's hard to, I think all three of those names are interchangeable, but it's hard for me to leave Monte Ball off of that. Once I actually looked at the stats, I was just kind of blown away at how many scores he had in comparison to Gordon and Taylor. Yeah, no, and, and I think Monte Ball is obviously um, supremely talented, had a wonderful career at Wisconsin. I, it was really hard. I Similar to you, it was kind of like, did I value production or did I value uh, just sheer um, talent that I saw? You know, just kind of the eye test. You know, I know college football playoff, it's kind of based off the eye test and I went with I went with the two backs that I think are the most talented backs to um, come through Wisconsin just by going through the eye test. Yeah, yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. It was it was hard. It was like, how can you leave either of these three off an all-decade list? And if you if you had a flex position, obviously that you had a third one, obviously it would be those three. But it's just crazy to think that you know if you had this decide on if you had to decide on just two. You would have to leave one of you know college football's greatest running backs of all times off the list, which is insane to me. And you know I went with Monte Ball because we're, we've been working on trying to get Monte to come on the podcast. So Monte, if you're listening to this, I picked you, so you'll come on the show and, and talk with us. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, and obviously James White also just like yeah. crazy crazy amount of stats. You know, four thousand yards rushing and 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 forty eight touchdowns. So it's it's you know, and he almost had five thousand yards all purpose. So I, it's it's you know we're pulling str- yeah. strings here at, so but at the same time like it, I was glad when you texted and said hey do you want to do two running backs because one running back was I was gonna be uh pulling out hair there if if I was trying to figure that one out yeah that's an impossible task for sure I don't think you could decide really between either of those ones and like you said it depends on what you're looking at it depends what camp you're in but if you take a pretty knowledgeable Wisconsin football fan. You know, you could you could argue for hours between between these three in terms of the production that they gave. So uh, really, it's it's an impossible task. And thankfully, Wisconsin has been blessed with some pretty talented running backs overall. No doubt. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up. Or I guess real quick, I wanted to ask you this. If you OK, so let's say we have this team. You know, we have the guys that we just decided on. Who are you having coached this team? So am I choosing from the coaches from within the decade? Yeah. Yeah, because I was I was kind of having I was trying to figure out who I would have, and I was kind of having some trouble. Uh, Barry Alvarez, because he's coached he coached <laughs> two bowl games, so I'll go there with Barry go. Alvarez. There you go. Yeah, no, that's a good that's a good choice. I was I was I kind of forgot how you know Bielema was still there that early part of the decade, and then obviously Paul Chris has had a tremendous amount of success, and he's won the bowl games that he's played in versus Bielema. You know, those you think of those three Rose Bowls, well, there were three Rose Bowl losses, and you think of Chris, he's won all the bowl games he's been a part of. So I was I was kind of kicking that back and forth too. Yeah, I mean, I if if 
in all seriousness, no, I would definitely go with Paul Christ. I, I could yeah. never pick Gary Anderson. I'm, <laughs> yeah, nope. Um, but then, uh, you know, Brett Bielema, he had his moments. The one thing I will say is I liked when he wasn't afraid to stick his foot down on somebody's throat and drop 83 on them um, just for the sheer fun of it or go for two and, you know, the call sheet's telling you to do so. So, um, but overall, I think it's Paul Christ, you know, outside of Barry Alvarez. Yeah, I would agree with you. And, you know, you think of those Brett Bielema teams, Paul Chris was still a part of it, you know, in terms of the dominating offensive outputs that they put together. So it's hard to go against Paul Chris. And obviously we are both big fans of of, of Coach Chris and, and his, his way he runs the program. I think he's the perfect coach for Wisconsin, so it's hard to argue that. But that wraps up our all-decade team, uh, almost an hour for our podcast, so a little bit longer, but I think you guys will enjoy it. And you've got uh, some time to listen to it because we will not have our regular show out on Thursday. Obviously, with the holidays, we know people are busy. Trying to listen to another podcast might not be um, in your realm, and obviously not a lot to cover outside of uh, you know the Rose Bowl coming up. So we're going to do that. Later this week, after the holiday, let everybody get through their their plans and their travel. And then, of course, we'll dive into our Rose Bowl preview podcast, which will be a ton of fun and a lot of excitement. But we wanted to get you guys an episode to, to if you're traveling these next couple days or if you're you know out and about or you're looking to kill an hour at the gym in between you know holiday meals. We wanted to you know give you this podcast and do something fun and mix it up so be sure to you know be on the lookout for our episode later in the week or into next week still kind of figuring out our schedule for that but of course the rose bowl podcast will be you know coming up shortly so uh, if matt unless you got anything else we'll uh we'll cut it cut it loose here no that's that sounds great and you know obviously the volleyball team had a had a tough uh lost in the championship, but I just wanted to shout them out. They had an amazing year and, you know, they, they ran into a buzzsaw um, in terms of Stanford, who has won three of the last four now. So obviously hugely, um, hugely impressive season from um, the women's volleyball team. And I would anticipate they're going to be back in the hunt next year, given how much they have coming back and some of the incoming freshmen that they have coming in as well. For sure. Congrats ladies on a, Tremendous volleyball season. And, you know, I don't really – my sisters and my mother are huge into the volleyball. I hadn't been paying as much attention. Then I went to a couple games this year, and I was like, man, these these girls are fun to watch. And they were tremendously talented and obviously an incredible season. That Baylor game was a, a ton of fun to watch. And like you said, just kind of ran into a, a really tough Stanford team. So congrats on that season. Wisconsin basketball picked up a W. We'll, we'll try and work that into a you know, future podcast, obviously, with, with Micah Potter coming back. But we knew this – all-decade team would take a little while. So, guys, be on the lookout. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Everybody have a safe and happy holidays on Wisconsin.